You're listening to Deal Talk with 7MA, providing invaluable insight into investment banking and the M&A space through honest conversations with industry thought leaders, business pioneers, and innovators. We'll pull back the curtain and give you the inside scoop on trends in our targeted industries and provide you the tools to better position your company in today's market. Welcome back. We are here with another episode of Deal Talk with 7MA. Today, I am with Mark Landry, who's actually been able to join us before. He's one of our managing directors here at Seven Mile. And Robert Wells, who's an MD with CFGI, a financial consulting firm. So today, we're going to get the pleasure of talking through RPA and what some of those solutions can provide to companies. Mark, I will pass it over to you and allow you to reintroduce yourself real quick and then introduce our speaker today. Well, thank you, Ariel. I'm very pleased to be here today. Uh, as Ariel indicated, my name is Mark Landry, Managing Director of the Consumer Products Practice, and uh, additionally working across many of our verticals, primarily uh, technology, which is our subject for today. I couldn't be uh, happier to uh, introduce you to Robert Wells, a longtime friend of mine, not only as a Managing Director of a burgeoning uh, practice uh, today with CFGI, but uh, was actually the architect of the RPA practice at Aero Digital. Together with his colleague, Brian Scheel, they actually are, when you read anything about RPA, you're going to find Robert Wells and Brian Scheel. Before that, however, it would be uh, remiss if I didn't say that there isn't an entrepreneurial endeavor that Robert hasn't either started or been part of for a long time. So we're having the privilege today of talking to somebody who really knows how to get a, a new idea up and running and how to exploit it into the marketplace. So Robert, good morning and very happy to have you. Oh, good morning, Mark. Thank you so much for that very encouraging and warm introduction. I appreciate that. So I am currently the, one of the managing directors for the Transformation Robotic Process Automation Practice at CFGI, a company based out of Boston, Massachusetts, with offices in New York, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. And excited to be here today to talk about my favorite subject, intelligent automation. <laughs> well, you know, Robert, um, I guess it was maybe two years ago uh, when you and I identified this, this thing uh, called RPA and said, you know, there's something here. And you grabbed a hold of it and, and built it into a, an enormous practice within Aero Digital. And that hasn't subsided. The Anything you read today, it will start and it talks about automation, but quickly it, it refers to RPA. Clearly, it's not a bubble. Well, how would you describe it? Is it with us for a while? Is it uh, going to become part of our everyday life? What, what are your thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, with, with statistics like this, uh, McKinsey says that the economic impact of, of intelligent automation is five to seven trillion in automated knowledge work by 2025. The fact that RPA costs one third the price of an offshore FTE and the fact that you know, companies are receiving 30 to 200% ROI in the first year of an RPA deployment, these numbers are why this industry and this technology uh, is, is just burgeoning right now. Well, the problem with RPA is, is it flows off everybody's tongue, but what actually is it? Could you kind of describe a typical project and the journey somebody goes through in the implementation of an RPA at the beginning? Oh, sure. You bet. We like to say that every company goes on a journey. They have a roadmap with RPA. Uh, and typically that starts with a small proof of concept. And what's a proof of concept? A proof of concept is where we set up, we start with a discovery session, essentially, where we'll go in 
and uh, assess the processes inside of an organization and determine which process or which processes are the right ones for automating. Not every process is the right process to automate, and there's a whole science and art behind that, But and, and that's being refined every day by different tools and different skill sets and people. But essentially, you want to find that one key process that's low risk, that has a high probability of, of, of a high value in the company with a high ROI. Uh, then you go and you build a, a bot that will handle the majority of the tasks for that process and, and, and do that in a very short time frame. After that, you start to assess the bot in production in a live environments and see what kind of impact it has in the organization. And that starts to, then you start to think about scaling your automation practice. And what does that mean? That means that you have to start thinking about the robotic operating model, your center of excellence, and how automation is going to affect your organization. Because we're talking about human workers alongside digital workers, and there's a whole science behind that as well, right? So you're talking about governance and security and operating methodology and how the human bot interaction um, and all of those types of nuances that happen along the way as you start to ramp up an automation practice. And, and it seems to me, Robert, the phrase of the day is always digital transformation, and it's as deep as it is wide. Arguably, RPA can be that gateway into the enterprise digital transformation roadmap and strategy. Certainly. Digital transformation, you know, that's a big subject, uh, and it encompasses a lot of different aspects of technology and process and people. But essentially, if you think about RPA as this as this tool set, this band-aid, if you will, that will help organizations quickly move through a large laundry list of, of you know, technology, process-related activities and projects that they have on their docket. I like to look at it this way and explain this to folks when we're kind of educating on RPA. Every company has process. And as they scale and become larger, the processes become more important. Now, if a customer says, I want X and Y, company typically will adjust their processes in order to accommodate the customer. And what happens is technology is purchased or acquired or built to make this happen faster, right? The efficiencies in the company to get to the revenue faster. Well, as soon as as soon as you do that, the next day, a process changes, a customer asks for something different. There's always these gaps between process, people, and technology. And usually companies can't move fast enough to fill these gaps. This is where RPA has been just the most beneficial product of the date because RPA comes and sits on top of these gaps, fills the gaps, if you will, between people, process, and technology to allow companies to, to move on, to take other big projects off of their docket and focus more important projects that they need to focus on. Oh, that's interesting. You know, Robert, in our prior life, what we observed was almost 90% or 85, pick a number of the, the IT budget was deployed against their legacy systems. And the balance of it was always, and rightly, directed towards the front end, the marketing and the sales. In that kind of middle, you know, the finance, the HR systems, et cetera, while needing uh, IT work, were being lost. Is RPA filling a gap there that, that heretofore was, was left wide open for actually just adding people and spreadsheets, et cetera? Certainly. That is, uh, that is one of the best 
uh, examples of why RPA has become so popular. You know, we've we've been in many of CIO's offices and looked down on the ground and seeing these giant posters of all of the initiatives that the technology department has on their agenda. And when you talk to the CIOs, they say, you know, I'm never going to get to these projects, not with the current resources, not with the current timeline that we have. And they see RPA as this way to fill some of those gaps where they want, they would have to build an API to you know, get the data from one system to another that was on their uh, agenda. Now they don't have to do that because a bot can actually go and copy and paste data from one system to another just as readily as a human. And so that's transforming the office of the CIO. Well, and is have you found, is, is there a welcoming from the CIO in this regard? Is there fear that, my guess is through this process, you're liberating a lot of data that was heretofore secu- you know, more secure and more defined. In your approach to, to, to RPA, are you looking at data governance and security? Absolutely. All of that plays into uh, an automation strategy. But what's interesting is that it, I've been in technology for over 20 years, and it's always been this battle between finance office and the technology department, right? And so this is one of the first times that I've seen in history that I've been in technology where the CIO and the CFO both agree that this is a great thing for the company. You'll look, if you look at the statistics of uh, POCs and proof of concepts and, and money being spent on technology right now, where cloud and BI um, and those IoT type projects used to be the number one most important thing that everyone spent money on. Today, in the office of the CFO, robotic process automation is the number one technology pilot. Vice versa, on the uh, in the CIO's office, robotic process automation is beating out cloud and IoT and analytics. So it's really an interesting time right now when it comes to intelligent automation. Well, you know, it's very interesting what you said though is. I guess at its simplest, you're going to build a bot, but that's really not what it's about, is it? The the ability to go in and really map processes and find those that are most susceptible to an RPA approach. And then even broader than that, identifying the entire information architecture from a security and governance standpoint is almost your, your first step, isn't it? Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of uh, RPA projects that fail fail due to the fact that they run full speed into building bots without doing any of the proper discovery that's needed in the beginning. So one of the major lessons learned over the last several years of implementing intelligent automations is that we need to spend the adequate amount of time up front in what we call discovery and bot design. And that is really making sure that you understand all of the processes that are being pushed forward by the organization put it through the right kind of assessment filters. So, uh, and that has to come from the eyes of folks that have actually delivered RPA because it is, it is quite different than a normal OPEX, you know, operational excellence, continuous improvement type of project. It's, uh, it's very specific. Robots think a certain way. And so that filter needs to be placed in that discovery uh, component. And the bot design is so important. So really the bot development is such a small piece when it comes to building out automations. The bulk of it is that discovery and bot design. No, that's very interesting. Robert, I noticed um, with the bigger enterprises and, and the larger firms that are, are servicing them, they tend to come in and, and they, they spend a lot of money up front and it's, it's important and I think there's value. And they, just, they, they define an overarching digital transformation strategy, but it kind of gets left off there. You've chosen to 
you start with let's go in, get some proof of concept, let's get some ROI. And within that, I guess you're you're getting a lot of learning as to the which processes are driving their business results and you prioritize that journey that way. Is that been favorably received? I can't tell you how incredible it is to see the face of our customers five weeks after we start compared to where it was when we started. And the reason is uh, everybody gets started thinking that they, you know, like the typical business process improvement initiative, and that's what's on their mind. What comes to happen during the course of the project is that they learn about all of these inefficiencies in their processes, which is, is this incredible assessment for them that they can then take and make a few tweaks and changes to some processes that don't even need RPA. Uh, and then when the bot's actually fully functioning, the look on their face of when a bot is doing what a human has done, but takes 10 hours and the bot does it in five seconds is quite incredible. So it's, it's quite fun. Robert, what I was very intrigued by, I looked at uh, some of your work so far in the how do you prioritize the processes? And it was quite interesting for me that uh, initially one would think pick the biggest ROI and that's your number one. You and Brian tend to do it another way. You tend to look at which process will drive the ultimate business goal first and may not have the largest immediate ROI from a enterprise standpoint. The ones that drive the business goal first will obviously have the bigger bang. Uh, that that's very unique uh, for me to see, and I assume that's being well received as well. It certainly is, and and just to for those that are new to RPA out there, to reiterate some kind of basic foundational elements. When you think about RPA, and if it makes sense for your business, you want to think about kind of these eight driving factors. If you're looking for as a business goal, cost reduction, error reduction, which means better quality, right? Increased ROI. If you're looking to reduce cycle time, in fact even having increased employee experience. So say your, your employees are sick and tired of doing the same mundane tasks over and over again, and you want to free them of that. Uh, on the same token, increasing customer satisfaction. So getting the customer the answers they need faster. If you want to scale your business faster, if you want a 24-7 workforce, you have to think as a business, what is my strategic goal? And do it, does it align with these kind of RPA drivers? That's one of the first steps that we do. We sit down with uh, to me, I think that's a differentiating element to it. I was also taken by, I read an article from you, geez, back in the early days. And you said, look, there's three dimensions to how you measure ROI in this field. One is quite obvious. You look at the number of man hours or woman hours that are reduced and they, they can be taken to the margin. Number two was, you know, now what we have is an ability to interrogate much much more data, more quickly and more accurately. So therefore, we've got a greater analytical horsepower. And number three was, you know, you can use these available hours now to not only get more data, but by the time these reports come to the upper management, the time available to garner insights and form a view as to what the data is saying is greatly enhanced. I've got to imagine that that's a that's an interesting dialogue as you go into your new opportunities. Uh, absolutely. Dashboards, reporting, analytics, those are the key elements to running a business properly. What we've seen is that these companies are using bots to gather, collect, and analyze data and data points and help create reports, which really 
decrease the time it takes for executives and leadership to understand the pulse of what's happening in their business. So it's, it's quite effective in that manner. Well, Robert, I, I really love that approach. Now, the next one is a little more difficult for me. The bots are coming. <laughs> How are you socializing the whole, the whole kind of opportunity slash threat of the digital workforce? <laughs> that is a great question. We get that question all the time. I like to talk to our customers about what we call the robotic quotient. This is a Forrester term. And, and really what that means is how is a company embracing the idea of a digital workforce with their existing human workforce? So the robotics quotient takes into account people, leadership, organization, and trust. And they call it plot. Essentially what this means is how is a company going to plan for these factors, assess the necessary areas to improve, survive, and thrive with automation. And this is not a small task because folks are used to working with other humans and bots do things a lot faster, especially as we start thinking about intelligent automation, truly intelligent automation, where artificial intelligence starts to come into play. Now, how is that going to affect organizations when people think, holy cow, this robot is truly going to replace me because it's now making decisions, the decisions that I make every single day. That's interesting. What's your biggest challenge, Robert? Well, what are the biggest challenges you're facing uh, as you grow and expand this RPA practice? Well, first of all, you mentioned this earlier. We talked about this earlier. That discovery component, that process assessment upfront piece and the bot design is so overlooked and everybody wants to run and build bots without putting the proper time. That is a huge hurdle. And if I could get anything across today on this podcast, it would be to spend the adequate amount of time up front to make sure that you have the right processes and that you adequately build the design of the bot up front. That's the first thing. The second part is you don't need to run too fast into AI. It's starting to happen on its own. There are a lot of third-party tools out there that are helping with RPA, such as OCR type tools, reading PDFs and you know, unstructured data, uh, ICR technology, uh, computer vision. A lot of these are being built into the products of the RPA vendors today. Uh, and if they aren't already uh, adequate enough, there are third-party vendor tools out there. So as you're starting to think about your strategic automation program, you want to think about all the different types of technologies out there and how you're going to embrace those as you move forward with this, this plan. Yeah. And I know that in your, in your past, you, you uh, built a business around um, process reengineering. I, I guess the real challenge here also is as you go in and see processes that are susceptible to RPA, the key is not to just automate the existing process, but to fix the process to, to, to enhance it and then automate it. Is that correct? That's correct. You, you actually do not want to automate a process that is changing all the time. That's, that's one of the no-nos in RPA. But on the, along the same tokens, if there's a process that goes through the discovery assessment that we find out, hey, in order to make this bot work properly, you just need to make a few tweaks to this process you know, or some, some part of the process needs to be changed. Uh, we, we like to recommend that that happens because that slight change could really affect the, the value of that bot. Other cases... We'll look at it and we'll have a process that just is not the right process for robotic process automation, but it's a great candidate for Lean or Six Sigma or other some type of other continuous improvement. So there's a number of, of uh, benefits that come out, not simply 
a bot at the end of the day. Well, here's my holy grail question. Gartner suggests that across the world, probably greater than 60% of the businesses are looking at scalability as, as one of their top priorities. And not surprisingly, of course, within that, intelligent automation in its broadest sense is a major focus. So as I look at RPA uh, at, at its base, it's automation. The grail, I suppose, is when are we going to see AI together with, as you mentioned, OCR, ICR, et cetera, when is that going to be rooted, in your view, uh, into the basic core offering of RPA? That's such a great question. That's a, a loaded question, actually. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, we saw... It wasn't going to make it all easy. <laughs> Over the last uh, decade, we saw automation move from macro and scripted automation uh, to BPM to you know the the early entry of robotic process automation which was really remote you know desktop automation to this cognitive more uh, intelligent rpa and yes the future does hold this human judgment being automated into uh into technology and so we're not too far away from that we're already seeing companies like data robot who have you know they build algorithms for ai and you can go and customize them and those are uh, you know they're partnering with all the major rpa vendors uh, there's other companies out there that are producing algorithms for artificial intelligence machine learning that you can tap into this is happening right now it's not fully baked yet as you know it's a big learning experience for everyone right now we're all trying to understand what of the human intelligence, can we automate and how far we can push that? Then you have the governance questions that always come up. You know, you have the, how are you going to govern self-thinking, self-taught artificial intelligent engine? And, and that's a real struggle. I think that that's going to be one of the struggles over the next uh, five to 10 years, how, how we can embrace and integrate intelligent automation uh, with artificial intelligence. So what you're saying is, is coming and be careful what you ask for. <laughs> I think it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to affect, I mean, business as we know it, it's going to change, right? But yes, it's going to be, we need to be very careful. I couldn't agree more. Now, finally, Robert, because I, I know your time is precious. The, you know, our business is all about advising companies around M&A activity. And this is, this is a hotbed. If you were in the, in the market right now and, and you were looking to add on uh, another RPA practice. What are the drivers for you? What are the what are the areas that you would be considering in your purchase decision in the M and A space? That's another great question. So uh, you know, we always have this problem of scale, and what do I mean by that? I mean, how do I balance the existing resources that we have in our practice with the gaps that we have? For example, you know, in an RPA practice, you typically have process architects, project managers, RPA developers architects and you know sometimes you're heavy in one or the other so when you're looking to uh, acquire or, or you're looking into that that, that area of, of expanding your business I would certainly look at how to balance existing resources and to scale up um, secondly I would definitely say that you're looking for the breadth of process knowledge in specific verticals so where uh, one company may have a lot of expertise in financial banking uh, and all of the nuances and you know, the processes and tasks inside of that vertical, but you're looking to expand into healthcare, for example. So consumer products, you want to look for the breadth of process knowledge in those specific verticals would be one of the targets. Finally, as 
as I mentioned earlier, you know, this, this technology is, is changing rapidly. And sometimes the software vendors can't catch up to the requests of the customers in the consumer market. And so I think it would be important to think about having the ability to augment your, the existing RPA software with skill sets. So for example, companies that have you know, smart software development teams, uh, UX teams, uh, and to expand what's the typical feature set of an RPA to be able to give a customer end-to-end uh, solution. Well, I think you've been reading some of our briefs because we, we see this very similarly. Robert, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been an absolute delight getting your insights. And um, I must admit, watching what you have done in this space and how you have garnered the respect, you and Ryan, of the major vendors has been uh, a real treat for me to watch. So, again, from all of us at Seven Mile, we, uh, we would like to thank you for the time you spent and uh, wish you uh, good luck in the future. Well, it's certainly been a fun ride so far. I thank you for the time today. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, Robert. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Deal Talk with 7MA. You'll find more information and resources based on today's discussion exclusively on our website. If you're looking to dive deeper into today's topics, head to 7mileadvisors.com to speak to one of our bankers today. That's the number 7, M-I-L-E-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S.com. 7M Securities does not make any investment recommendation for any company or security that was discussed, nor does the firm offer any tax advice. Consult your tax advisor for any tax matter that might apply to you or your business. 